All right, greetings. Welcome to Pops Collection, where we dissect and reflect on a movie or TV show from my Pops Collection. I'm Ron Tweedy. Joining me is Pops. And today we're going to talk about Batman Year One. Welcome, everybody. Glad you're here. Hope that you have your coffee with you and <laughs> sit back and relax. Or, as I found out from one of our listeners today, they uh, use their exercise bike while they're watching the show. So, Enjoy. Yeah. So Batman Year One, uh, despite its name, actually came out in 1987, which was a little while after Batman came out, right? <laughs> that is correct. It actually came out, uh, Batman originally came out with Detective Comics. Yeah. Uh, and then there was uh, some different variations, Adventures of Batman, The Batman. This particular uh, uh uh, segment came out in a book that was just called Batman. Yes, the, that's right. The Batman or anything like that. And actually it was uh, episodes 404 to 407. That's right. Yep. And uh, they originally, uh, it incredibly at that time, Batman was, had something like a selling subscription base of like 79,000. Right. And after this book came out, it was up to like over 180,000. Wow. It even surpassed Marvel, if you can believe that. Well, I can, just given the fact of uh, who, the creative forces behind it. So you had Frank Miller writing it and uh, David Mazzuccelli. And so... Um, they, they worked right. together. Mazzuccelli did the art, right? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, they worked together on Daredevil as well, which, you know, I obviously am a huge fan of. So it, it does stand to reason why uh, it was successful as it was. And then the other thing is that this was kind of a, a reinvention of sorts with the DC line uh, at, at this moment, because if I remember correctly, they just wrapped up the Crisis on Infinite Earths storyline to kind of reset the continuity for like, you know, uh, as as comics age, sometimes they have to do like a reset of continuities for uh, particular heroes and whatnot. Because, you know, if you if you were to think about this, Batman came out in the 30s and we're now in the 80s and Batman still, you know, he's like in his 30s in in you know. Uh, or late thirties, probably early forties, I would say in, uh, in the story. So, yeah. Well, it's quite similar with, uh, excuse me, Bart Simpson, who's now uh, yeah. 30 years in and he's still yeah, in elementary school. Right. So uh, yeah. yeah, it kind of, you wonder why they don't age. And in some comics they do that. They yeah, age. Judge, Judge Dredd is one of them where he does actually age with the, uh, the comics. Right. And uh, there are other comics that are similar to that. But, mm. um, well, Batman, Robin, right, uh, Dick Grayson, he's aged and yes. he became Nightwing. That's right. You know, and then there has been uh, two or three other Robins. Yes. Uh, Jason to Todd. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Damien. Right. Uh, which is really... Batman's son. Right, right. So they say, um, and there's also another one. 
oh my gosh, my brain is going. I think there's a number of them. Yeah. And, you know, really that doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about because this is actually the origin of Batman. And I think one origin, one origin. Yeah. It was kind of like a a recasting of Batman's original origin, which to me, I I like it a lot. Um, But, but if I were to actually look at it objectively, I would say it's not just Batman's origin. It's also the origin of commissioner Gordon or James Gordon. Yes. I feel the same way about that. And I feel that they kind of touched on that in the uh, Christian Bale Batman series. Yes. Uh, A lot of the things that they did, the way that uh, year one ended Mm -hmm. is kind of the way the first uh, Christian Bale Batman ended. It is. It's exactly. Yeah. That's pretty much ripped right from the the pages of the last issue. It is. It is. As a matter of fact, what they did is in this particular case they yeah. had uh, Gordon and Batman on like a stairwell in the movie, right? But right. in year one, it just ends that he's waiting for Batman. He's going to tell him about right. Um, this story is kind of told like a noir story, yes, kind of very much, very much. And uh, as a matter of fact, um, like I said, it was so popular. I'm going to show you. This is the copy that you bought me, oh, yeah. uh, which came with a bunch of other copies. But uh, looking through it, it was almost identical mm-hmm. to the uh, animated uh, pictation of it. Right. Uh, I thought that they did a real good job to staying close to that story. Very faithful. Uh, yeah. And it, it, in fact, it was, you know, I think one of the um complaints that some folks had about the the film is that it's too short and i think it's because they were so faithful to the the four issue story arc that they didn't like expand on anything which you know to me i i think it was the blank was perfectly fine i don't know about you oh yes as a matter of fact they for an animated uh and this is when i think dc got real serious yes about doing their animation stuff. I mean, it had a PG-13 rating. Um, yeah. I just purchased their latest, which is called Soul of the Dragon. Okay. And it's also like year one is a, they call it an Elseworld story. Okay. Uh, the same is the same with the brand new one. And that one has an R rating. Okay. So I think that they decided that the comic book geeks back in 87 are grown up and they still are comic book geeks. So they tried to make it more appealing to an older uh, generation. You know, as the generation grows up, they make the stories a little bit more aggressive, I think. Well, yeah, they the Frank Miller had the Dark Knight Returns just a, a little bit before this, where he actually wrote and drew. So, and that was definitely the grittier side of um, Bruce Wayne slash Batman and Gotham. And so, you know, I think a lot of the uh, film adaptations are chasing that that kind of feeling. So, yes, and uh, I think I found it quite interesting. Mm-hmm that uh, he has written a lot of excellent things. Frank Miller, yeah. uh, The 300, right. uh, Sin City. Yep. Uh, he's actually 
uh, a book that after I read about it, I thought, wow, I would really love to have that. They did a crossover book with Frank Miller writer, Todd McFarlane artist with Spawn and Batman. Interesting. Yes. Huh. And so crossover with Dark Horse and DC. Well, images uh, Spawn. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. Image. I'm sorry. You're right. It's okay. But uh, yeah, I thought, wow, you know what? I think I'd like to get that book. Maybe, yeah. you know. And speaking of Dark Horse, that's where 300 and Sin City was published. So that's probably what you had that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mind. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So again, yeah. So let's um, let, yeah, let's go go through the uh, um, I, I do have, and I'm going to try doing this. I'm going to actually share my screen and just kind of show you the. This is actually the uh, digital version of it. But what I my point that I was making earlier about it being a uh, origin story for both Gordon and wayne is actually here on the uh, on the first page you see that there's a uh, narration almost it's like the inner monologue of gordon right here you know gotham city maybe it's all i deserve now maybe it's just time you know anyway yes but but, but you have him talking and thinking to himself on the train uh picking up barbara from her flight and then uh at the same time uh you got Bruce Wayne flying in and you have his inner monologue here in, uh, in cursive. And so that's my thought of why it's actually a dual origin story. It's not just a Batman story, you know? That's true. Yes. You know? And actually the uh, name of part one was called who I am. Right. And how I can, how I came to be. Right. So that kind of, gives us this feel. And the thing that I really liked about Miller's depiction of this was uh-huh. it was really kind of more the humanity of Bruce Wayne. Oh yeah. Big time. Uh, and not so much uh, Batman and his gadgets. You have a little bit of stuff with his utility belt, yeah. but it's all about him trying to find his identity as Batman. And not only that, but what I love about, you know, and this is just a typical Frank Miller, is that Batman, his Batman, is not indestructible at all in that, you know, he's getting beat up. He's getting, you know, shot by the cops. He's, you know, barely limping along. It kind of reminds me of like an Indiana Jones type thing where, you know, the hero is not like this indestructible, you know, uh, destroyer of everything. He's actually very, very much flawed. And, you know, like you said, he's still trying to find his way about how to, you know, deal. He, he, he really is dealing with the grief of the loss of his parents, even though it's been 18 years. So. Well, yes. And also the uh, city. Yeah. And how corrupt it is. He's right. a, he is a rich man. Right. Uh, but he cares about what happens based on his rich parents right. being killed uh, in this depiction by a mugger right it, it, all, all of his parents wealth didn't add a single second to their lives and, and i think that's you know kind of the reason why he's so driven to right those wrongs because you know um, crime hurts both rich and poor it might be a little bit different in times but you know um yeah it's all there yes and 
Um, I thought about this story and I um, said, you know, this is really, it was almost, there was a section in there where all of the corrupt police and yep. the mafioso guys, I guess we'll call them, yep. were together at a party. Yes. And it almost reminded me of the final Punisher movie. There was oh, a war scene. Zone. Yeah. Yeah, there was a scene in there yeah. where he invades uh, their party. Only that was the war zone was a lot more graphic than this was. Right. But yeah. still, uh, we got the idea that uh, Bruce Wayne wanted to make some changes. Yeah. And uh, that I just, oh, it, everything about this story was great. Uh, we had uh, Gordon. The same way. Yep. That he, and here the corrupt commissioner mm -hmm. wanted Gordon there. Right. And I tried to think about, uh, you know, really didn't uh, make it clarify it in the uh, DVD. Right. But it seems to me he told uh, the woman investigator that he brought in essence that it was the essence yeah yeah because he told her that he uh was there because he uh busted a police officer right and i thought why would this commissioner want him if all his police force is corrupt or a lot of it is corrupt mm -hmm. you know i didn't understand that um, unless there's something more to the story in the comic. I, I don't remember them actually. No, me having a, And I think part of it has to do with the fact that Gotham is a, it's not the first place you'd want to be a police officer. Right. Oh, and I, yes. think, I think that's what he was saying to Essen is that Gotham was the only place that would take him. You know, it's not like they would, um, it's not like they looked for him specifically, but you know, obviously there's enough crime to keep a good cop really busy, not to mention the, the other side of it, which is the corruption part. Yeah. So I, I think yeah, that I, has something to do with it. The fact is that they're, they'll take anybody at this point. Cause you know, there's lots of. Well, I thought the storyline was really good for Gordon yeah. uh, because he had to, he proved himself human Yes. And fallible right. by having an affair with right. Essence. Yep. And then the corrupt police trying to make him back off. Yep. Were going to say, well, you know, well, tell your wife. Mm -hmm. And with his character. Right. He had to uh, first he had to end it with Essence. And then right. he had to come clean with his wife and he chose to. Yeah. So do you think that uh, Gillian, he, uh, do you, you think he actually put S in there on purpose thinking that it would corrupt him? It's possible. Yeah. That is a possible thing. Um, that uh, scenario is something that could happen to anybody. Yeah. You know, and it's uh, happened numerous times to people. 
Mm -hmm. uh, your workplace is almost like your secondary family. Yeah. And if you have issues at home and it's quite uh, easy to go down the wrong path, you have to make that choice to stay on the straight and narrow. But, you know, circumstances can happen that you choose to go down the wrong way. Right. Uh, and we're all human. We can all make mistakes at any time. But he did choose to get back on the right path. And right. he was, um, he did ask for forgiveness, yeah. you know, and he was repentant. Of that sin, yeah. even though, you know, he did commit it, but right. it's a tough thing. Right. And he did it before, you know, she found out, his wife found out, like he came clean before that. So, you know, it, 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 there, there's something to be said about a, you know, having that freedom of repentance and forgiveness that it allows you to, um, you know, be more courageous that there, there's um, a gentleman past that I follow named Toby Sumter. And he says a, uh, a, a courageous heart is a repentant heart or a confessing heart. And so the idea is, is that if you have a clean conscience and you, you, um, you know, are, are regularly confessing uh, as soon as you can. And, you know, to the extent that, you know, it affected, then, you know, you can be courageous. You can stand up, you can have, you know, the, the strength and the courage to stand up against corruption by doing that. And I think that's, you know, a really interesting aspect because you normally, when it comes to our heroes, they, you know, are always virtuous. They don't always, they don't, they hardly ever screw up. And so, um, you know, showing that was very interesting um, and really, really uh, powerful um, from, from my perspective. Well, uh, we also saw a little bit of the origin of Catwoman. We did, yeah. Um, on the DVD, I don't know if you noticed, but there is a little featurette with Catwoman. I didn't see it, but yeah, I saw, I saw the, I saw the featurette there. I didn't actually watch it though. No, well, it's okay. I, I watched it before. I didn't watch it this time when I saw it. Okay. But the one nice thing about this book that you uh, gave me is it also came with. A DVD and a Blu-ray disc for oh, cool. uh, the uh, Batman Year One. Huh. So this one you gave me was from the year 2015. Okay, there was actually uh, different versions. Mm -hmm. uh, once they turned it into a graphic novel, I don't know if you remember. Right. Uh, like you said, originally in '87, it was 404 to 407 of Batman comic. Yep. Um, but they switched it to a graphic novel and they did numerous uh, changes. Right. And it, some they did with, uh, they had uh, um, the original writings for Miller and then they had uh, Mazzelli, Mazzelli do the copy new book covers. And yeah. They did all kinds of different things. It was really interesting, but yeah. still, <laughs> When they came up with this DVD run, yeah, it was so good 
uh, I told you three and a half million, it made over six million. They mm -hmm. sold six million in copies, never going to the theater. Wow. So that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And what did you feel about how he decided to become the bat, that particular part of it where he's in the house? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, I do think that, I mean, you have to think about what was in his mind like there. He go, He's trying to confront, he was confronting some, you know, obviously some uh, human trafficking at that point. And he gets shot by the police, he gets away. And, you know, he's he's resting in a chair, bleeding out, and he's trying to not bother Alfred. Um, and, you know, he, he I, I guess when you've lost that much blood and you got beat up so much and you're at a low point. Um, and he's talking to his father's bust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, it's in, that that is interesting. Um, but, you know, from my perspective, um he needed a symbol you know uh, it, it was obvious that he couldn't just fight crime on his own or anonymously there, there needed to be something bigger than who he is right right so, because he was just another human right exactly so so the, the bat definitely made things uh more uh mysterious and uh more effective i think and the fear part of it because um particularly for criminals um you know the studies have shown is that uh, criminals are not the smartest bunch right and so okay. um you know fear is a good method of control for those folks you know so have, having that as a as an issue, um, you know, as a, as a symbol to strike fear is a, is a good thing. Um, but anyway, but yeah, well, the, yeah. So we, we, we talked about the, the real origin, the dual origin story mainly between Gordon and, and, and Bruce Wayne. But like you said, I think there's also like two secondary ones as well. We get Selena Kyle and then we also have um, Harvey Dent as well. So uh, we get those, yes, yes, yeah. and, and, and they, like like you said, they don't get full fully developed, but there there's you know at least the beginnings there of other characters that are going to be prominent in the Batman mythos, right? Which kind of reminds me a lot of how they did the Gotham series. It was I'm the, glad you brought that up. Yes, good because well, yeah, I, well, I thought it was extremely interesting that. Let's see. Brian Cranston did the voice of Gordon. Yes. yes. And then um, Ben McKenzie, right? Is that who it is? Yes. Yes. He, he he does the voice of Bruce Wayne, but then he ends up being the actor of Gordon yes. in the Gotham yes. series, which is like yes. interesting. Yeah. yeah I, I guess I couldn't get Brian Cranston to do the Gotham series. I don't know. Well, I, I don't think it would work that way because of the way the timeline of Gotham, you know, you need a young Jim Gordon. That's true. That is true. But that was what I really enjoyed about uh, the Gotham series was the development of all of the characters. Yeah. And similar to Smallville, we didn't see Batman, Batman costume till the final season, final episode. 
which of course wasn't as long as Smallville, right. which probably is good for you. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it was definitely, I thought it was good. I enjoyed the way they uh, mm-hmm. brought it to closure. Yeah. So it was good. Very good. Yeah. And I like the fact that, you know, the, the, the villains in this are not like these, you know, crazy super villains or, you know, Batman case, Batman's normal case, you know, you have a deranged lunatic or, you know, somebody with a, you know, uh, something that somebody that would end up in Arkham as opposed to, you know, normal jail. Um, you know, I think for this story, you needed just, you know, crime, regular run-of-the-mill crime bosses, you know, in order to take on, you know, because I think the it would have taken the focus off of the main characters if they did that way. That's true. And also, uh, they did, however, make mention of it. They had uh, Gordon uh, stopping a guy that was from Arkham because oh, he right. had the little yeah. children. That's right. That's right. So yep. we got a mention of Arkham, yep. but it wasn't Batman who dealt with the uh, – Right, and, uh, and- – and he was just a run-of-the-mill crazy person. He wasn't like, you know. <laughs> no, super crazy person. He yeah, was just he, a crazy person. Right. He, he wasn't like the Riddler or, you know, Joker or I'm trying to Penguin. think Penguin. Yeah, Penguin. Like, he wasn't like any of those. He was Mad just. Mad Hatter, yeah. Scarecrow. Right. I mean, they have so many of them. Batman, well, I think he has almost as many foes as Spider-Man. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know who has more. I guess maybe we could do a show one day and figure it out. One of us can go for it. It has to be the... Batman. Batman has 30 years on Spider-Man. That's true. So maybe. Maybe 25 years. I don't know. I we'll see. Man. Yeah, no. But I think it would be interesting to see who has more. But yeah. sometimes they come up with the stories and there is no bad guy. They're first detective series Batmans. They were just regular people. Yeah. And actually the uh, serials that were in black and white, yep. it was just regular crime bosses. So right. nobody big deal like that. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. So um, Batman's vulnerability, but more so Bruce Wayne's vulnerability. Okay. Uh, we did get to see again uh, him and Gordon, uh, both be fallible. Sure. Uh, and he, his, both of theirs, they both had a common desire. They wanted to clean up the city. Exactly. You know, uh, of course, Gordon trying to do it the legal way. Right. And uh, Bruce Wayne thinking that the police is corrupt. There is nothing good about them and he's right for in that in in that time he was absolutely right but gordon we know was not corrupt right that's that's why i think it works so well is because you have somebody trying to fix the system and some people and you know somebody trying to fix the city without you know uh not using the system and so you know it, it it had to take so I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, actually, that, that might might have been a pretty interesting prequel, maybe 
somebody, you know, there, there could have been like a Jim Gordon like character trying to fix the system. And because there wasn't a Batman, he wasn't able to do it. And then the other side of it, you could make one that was somebody was like a Batman, but they didn't have a, a Gordon to fix the system. And so they kept on just spinning their wheels and, you know, they, they, it, it, it took both of them working together in order for Gotham to finally, you know, get on the right trajectory of, you know, weeding out the uh, corruption and crime. Which that was kind of season one of Gotham. There you go. It was just Gordon. Right. And even his partner was uh, corrupt in right. that. And right. he, you know, was taking money from, right. you know, the different crime bosses, Falcone and, mm -hmm. Which also Falcone in this particular that's right uh, version. So uh, he also is a mainstay character in the uh, yep. Batman series. That's right. So any other thing that you uh, were thinking about about this? How did you? I, I mean, you're not a DC guy, so no. so what did you think about this animation compared to most of the Marvel animation that you see? Well, compared, story compared wise. yeah, story well, story wise, I think it's brilliant. I mean, um, this is like, yeah, it, the, the, like you know, we talked about already talked about how you know I, I love this version of Batman's origin. I love how it intertwines with Gordon. I love Gordon's you know um, redemption arc, and I love the uh, the way they set it up for you know how the rest of the story is going to go at the very end he's like yeah we got some guy you know escaped from arkham and he's you know crazy calling himself the joker we got to figure this out and so it's like i mean that was like the perfect ending i think um yes so and again yeah. like i said the christian bale it's almost identical ending yeah yeah although the christian bale it's it's a lot different the rest of it is like oh yes that, that's where i first was interested in it because i saw that that you know it, it drew a little bit from year one but not much i mean you know there's no razagul there's no scarecrow you know um right the, all that was added on that but we're not talking about that right now we're talking no, about year no. one so but so so from my perspective i think it's great you know um would you, know, we, you be interested in watching more DC animation based on that? Yeah, yeah, if it's like that. Um, you know, the, the animation style is very faithful to the original artwork, which is great. Um, you know, some some of it seems a little dated, um, just some of the, the CG parts of it. I mean, you could definitely tell it wasn't a hand-drawn animation. It was a digital um, animation, which, you know, it's fine. The art style, like I said, is, is consistent with the comic, which I definitely appreciate. Um, the only thing different, I think, um, tangibly, is that the, the coloring is a little bit um, more vibrant than the than the comic. original comic. Yeah, yeah. The comic is just—I mean, the way they utilize color in it is just. There's something really, really, really striking about that. Um, that I love that it didn't carry over to the film, which, you know, I get it, but uh, that'd be the only real negative thing I'd have to say. But like I said, I think the story is fantastic. I think the length actually is perfect. You know, if it was longer, I don't think I would have liked it as much. And I, I do love the, uh, um, the story. So, well, the uh, DC animation stuff, most of it is between um, 60 and 80 minutes approximately. Yeah. So, 
I think that they have uh, Bruce Tim and the other Andrea Romano who yep. does the uh, voice coaching. Uh, they seem to know exactly how to handle it, you right. know, to make it fit. Right. And like I say, to me, uh, at the time, mm -hmm. most of the Marvel stuff that I saw animated wise was just not the same. No. You know, it was more set for a younger generation, I think. Yeah, that, there's there's part of that. And I mean, that that's certainly true. A hundred percent. I would agree with that. And I think the, I don't think we've seen the same level of attention on the Marvel side as we have seen on the DC side. I do think that the what if series is definitely going to push it in a different direction. So I'm going to reserve judgment until then, but you know, um, for other DC stuff, if it's the same like this, if it's the same caliber, I definitely would be interested in watching more. I did start watching, I think there was a Wonder Woman animated one that definitely wasn't the same as this. This is this was very different. So was it just Wonder Woman or was yeah, it? Yeah, it was just Wonder called Wonder Woman. Woman. I think it was on the HBO Max. I didn't get a chance to finish it, but I think that I might be able to watch it another way. So Okay. Well, I do have it on DVD. Right. Um and then there is a newer one that yeah. came out after the movie called Bloodlines, Wonder uh -huh. Woman Bloodlines. Okay. And then we, she actually has the gold armored suit in that Okay. One. Yeah. And then I saw that there was a preview for a Green Lantern one that was like almost, you know, terrible. It was terrible looking. <laughs> it was a CG one that looks really. Oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That particular one was on Cartoon Network. Yeah. And it was actually a series. It okay. was, um, the story took, actually they had part one and part two. Okay. It tell, told, there were two different stories, but it took like 12 episodes to tell the first story and then 12 episodes. Ah, okay. So you'd have to watch the whole thing. The storyline that was very good. It was written very well, but like you say, it was CG. It was, Really nowhere near, uh, but it was for Cartoon Network. So, you know, they were trying to reach a younger audience, I think. But uh, maybe, yeah. Hey, I am someday going to force you to watch the Green Lantern movie. Mm -hmm. Ryan Reynolds' uh, favorite. Uh, yeah. It was his favorite cut anyways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we know uh, better I, than that. Yeah, well, I was just I was just thinking to the end of the 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 Deadpool two where you know he, with, yeah. the, <laughs> with the Green Lantern script, uh, and then in boom, yeah. oh, that was <laughs> that so was a, it was great, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I I yeah, I definitely appreciate that. That was that was hilarious. Oh, anyway. Well, he he's done a lot more Marvel stuff than he has. Uh, well, now yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because he was in uh, the Wolverine. Uh, origins okay uh, before he became Deadpool and he became Deadpool at the end of that oh, okay which was kind of interesting but cool yeah okay anything else you want to get into huh no it's it, it's a great movie definitely a worth a watch um, okay good and then we'll have to think of uh something else that uh you might like to watch dc wise or okay well if you want to keep with dc we can do that 
Okay. Or we well, uh, well, we were talking about doing more Frank Miller stuff, didn't we? Yes, that, yes. So. I mean, because he has done some. Well, if we do, yeah, uh, Sin City or the second Sin City or three hundred mm-hmm. or the three hundred uh, sequel, yeah. If we do any one of those, you're not going to be able to let the kids watch them. That's for sure. No, <laughs> not even close. So no, no, but, but I would love to do some more Frank Miller. Okay. All right. Well, let's do uh cause I do have 300. I do have sin city. So we'll, we'll, let's do 300 first. And then we'll, we'll see how we feel about doing that sin city. Okay. Okay. All right. Sure. That would right. be wonderful. Cool. All right. So let's do a rating for this and let's wrap it up. Okay, well, uh, to me, uh, I'm going to give it a nine. I would almost give it a 10, but like you say, with the uh, coloration of it, it just was not the same as the comic. Right. Uh, So I'm going to take that down. The script and everything else, perfect. Yep. Loved it. But uh, I could have done with it to be more like the comic on the coloration. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll concur. I'll give it a nine as well, because like I said, a perfect, perfect length. I love the story. Jim Gordon and Bruce Wayne, some of the most uh, compelling characters in the DC universe and seeing their origin story told this way and a very expertly told story. Um, yeah, it's really good and uh, definitely worth a watch. All right. Good deal. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us for another episode of Pops Collection. If you have any feedback, uh, like us on Facebook and uh, drop us a line there or on Twitter. And um, we'll see you next week with 300. Goodbye. God bless. Goodbye. God bless. Tell your friends. Bye. Bye.